Hey, welcome everyone once again to Reveal Online. I am so glad that you are here with us. My name is Marty. I'm one of the pastors here. I think you made a good decision to be here. I think God has something special for us. If you're a first-time guest joining us and you're on our Facebook site, do me a favor, just send me an email at marty at revealvineyard.com. Right here, send me an email and I will just send you some information about the church. If you are on the reveal.online.church site, up in the upper right, there is a button that says connect. Click on that and it will take you to where you need to go. A few pieces of information I want to go over with you quickly. Uh, we are starting to crank some things up here because the church is reopening. Relationship Goals is a new group that is starting on Wednesday, September 16th. Wednesday, September 16th. We're going to be talking about what it requires to have healthy relationships. If you're in high school, you should be here. If you're single, you should be here. If you're dating someone, you should be here. If you're married, baby, you should be here. And if you were just dumped, you should still be here, right? We all can learn about what it requires to have healthy, God-honoring love relationships. You will need to pick up the book by Michael Todd if you go to our website, revealvineyard.com slash groups. All this information is there. You can pick up the book. You'll read it a chapter at a time. This is both an in-person and a Zoom group. So if you want to meet in person, we'll meet down here at the church on Wednesday, starting Wednesday, September 16th. If you want to do a Zoom group, you can do that as well. Make sure you register either way so we can accommodate for you, whether online or in person. A great opportunity, relationship goals. Next thing I want to draw your attention to is all of our groups. We only have seven, eight, including the uh, uh, relationship one and a uh, financial piece, which I'll be hitting on next. Uh, I want you to check out all of our groups there. Invest in yourself. Normally, we have about 14 groups. We're offering a smaller number because of the whole shutdown thing, but we will be ramping up more groups here in the near future. Also, be aware that Our Kids is starting on Sunday, September 20th. It is the kickoff for our children's ministry, the grand re-reopening of our children's ministry, and we will be using the curriculum called Rocky Railway. This was our summer VBS material that obviously we couldn't do, and so we will be bringing it back, and we will be doing what we're calling a Sunday VBS. So every kid gets a t-shirt, there'll be crafts, there'll be music, there'll be Bible lessons, all kinds of fun stuff that we will be doing over the next several weeks, starting on Sunday, September 20th. And we are bringing in Kona Ice for free on that day because that's how we roll and that's how we are welcoming the kids back. All right, finally, Financial Peace University, another group that we're launching that starts on Monday, September 21st. If you're interested, it is an online group. Look, we're going into the holidays. Typically, we spend a little bit too much money. It's a good time now to get our finances under control. Start digging out from under debt. Start telling your money where you want it to go. And here is a great opportunity, an online group, Monday, September 21st. You can register at revealvineyard.com. There is a cost for this group. It does not go to the church. It goes to Financial Peace University. It also gets you all of the material, and uh, you will be put in touch with the person from Reveal who is leading that group, and then we'll contact you with some more information. Okay, as I said, I'm glad you're here. I think you made a good decision to join us. Whether you are online or whether you are in person, I think you made a good decision to be here uh, as you can continue 
to pursue Jesus' best for you in your life. This is a good place to be. It's a safe place to be. It's a place where we will not judge you, but we will pursue Jesus with you because that's what we are. We are a Jesus-centered community. The number one hill that we die on is it's all about Jesus. We want to pursue Jesus. We want to know Jesus. We want to reflect Jesus in our lives. So I'm glad that you are here. Now, last week, we started a new series called Get Your Bounce Back. Because over the past five months, I think the crazy uh, has left us all, well, a little flat, right? I, I think the pressure of life and all that has gone with it lately has left us all just deflated. And, and we, we, we've lost our bounce. We've lost our ability to bounce back. We've lost that spring in our step because we, we, we're deflated. Life, for many of us, it feels like life has been sucked out of us. And right now, I think many of us are flat and we are deflated and maybe we're just going through the motions. And so we're, we are exploring what does it mean to get your bounce back. Look what uh, Scripture tells us in Acts 13. Scripture says that, and the disciples were continually filled. Why were they continually filled? Because they can also be continually empty. So they were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, continually filled. Look what Ephesians has to tell us. Ephesians says to be filled with the Spirit. Now, now Spirit here, uh, we talked about it last week, Old Testament used the word ruach. In Hebrew, it means the Spirit of God or the breath of God or the wind of God. It's the life of God. New Testament in Greek uses the word pneuma. The idea is the same, to be filled with the Spirit. But what's interesting is that little phrase for be filled is actually in the continuous present tense. It's an ongoing uh, command an ongoing state of being filled is what it's telling us to be. It's saying, hey, if, if, you, want, if, if, if you want all out of life that God wants to give you, if you want the abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10, 10, then we will need to be in a continual state of being filled with the Spirit. Being filled and being refilled and continually filled with the Ruach, the Spirit, the breath, the wind, the life of God being put into us. D.L. Moody, he was one of the great evangelists of the 19th century. When he was asked why does he continually need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he gave a very simple answer. He said, because I leak. And I think that's true for all of us, not in the literal sense, but the pressure and the complexities of life, they compete for our attention. They, they compete for uh, my mind and my will and my emotions and my flesh since it sets itself against my spirit and they are in opposition to one another and the one that wins is the one that I feed. Be continually filled, continually feeding yourself with the spirit, ongoing state of being let me give you this illustration. Let's just say that this empty can of Coke represents your life. I know some of you are thinking, oh, pastor, I don't drink regular Coke. All right, forget about that one. Let's, let's just say that this empty can of Diet Coke 
represents your life. Aspartame. No, I can't really. Okay, forget about that one. Let's say that this empty can of bubbly, right? This is you. All natural, all pure, all the time. So let's just say that this can of bubbly, empty can of bubbly represents your life. Well, well here, here's, what, here's what happens. Life has a way of coming against us. And when life comes against us, and it will come against us, life will, 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 will flick us. And if we're empty, the flick will leave us dented. It will, it will leave its mark. It, it, will, it will cause us to cave. We will be distorted. Now, it would be one thing if life only came at us once. But what we know is life has a way of coming at us time and time again, flicking us when we're down. That sometimes we can get in a season where life just keeps on flicking and life just keeps flicking us and comes at us and keeps flicking us and flicking us. And with each flick, because we're empty, we get a little more distorted, a little more bent out of shape because of the flicks of life. Jesus told us, do not expect a a flick-free life. He said, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus knew that life is going to flick you, that life will keep flicking you and will continue to flick you until we leave this life. Matter of fact, we could say it this way, that you are either being flicked, you are coming out of a season of being flicked, or you are on the cusp of being flicked. Because that's what life does. There's always some type of pressure. There's always, always something that, that isn't quite right, something that is squeezing us, something that is challenging us, and, and, and we are being flicked. And what happens if, 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 if we are not careful and if we're not fill, filled, we can be flicked long enough that over time we just are crushed. We've been flicked for so long, for such a long period of time that, that we, we, we just kind of give in and give up and over time we're crushed. And I know many of us, we would say, hey, this is kind of what life feels like the last five, six months. I just, I just feel crushed. But, 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 but here's the thing. Look, look, look at what Scripture tells us in James 1-2. James says, blessed is the one who perseveres, perseveres, under trial. Now that, that word for trial could actually mean affliction. Blessed is the one who perseveres under affliction. Blessed is the one who can remain under pressure. Blessed is the one who can remain under stress. Now that word for persevere is the word hupomene. It's a Greek word and it means to remain consistent or to remain under pressure, we could say that, that to remain consistent, in other words, that we could say to keep your form under the affliction, you have to be filled. See, when this can is filled, the affliction doesn't have much impact on it. The afflictions come, and that one kind of hurt my finger just a little bit. Hey, what would it be like if, if we were so filled with the right things that the affliction hurt the afflictor more than the afflictee. That would be a good season of life, right? 
See, when, when we're filled with the right stuff, when, when we hupomene, when we remain consistent, when we're filled and we can remain intact, the, the afflictions of life don't seem to have the same effect on us because we're full. And not only are we full, but we can remain under the pressure. See, whatever it is that's afflicting you today, and I don't know what that is, but whatever is afflicting you today, I would say that God did not send it, but God is certainly going to use it. And what he's going to use it to do is hupomene, to teach you to stand, oh Lord, please, to teach you to stand under the pressure. When we're full of the right stuff, the afflictions don't have the same effect. So that begs the question, what are you filled with? What, is that, what does that look like for you today? Ask yourself, what have I been filling myself with? What have I been feeding myself with? Because we're all feeding on something. Now, let's just make it a little easier. Look at the last week of your life. What have you been feeding on? The last seven days, what have you been filling yourself with? Maybe it was on the empty calories of social media, and you're just angry at everyone. Get sucked into any debates that did absolutely nothing. I'm convinced that life was better when neither one of us knew what the other person was thinking. Maybe, maybe you've got pulled into the diet of mask or no mask, right? And you're furious at people who are wearing them or you're furious at the people who are not wearing them. Have you seen Karen walking around all maskless, just letting her face float out there in the wind, right? Getting angry at things like that. Maybe, maybe you've been nibbling on the school controversy. Should they open or should they stay closed? Maybe you're wrapped up in politics or the election news or relationship drama or COVID numbers or the what ifs, what if this happens and what if that happens. What have you been feeding on? What have you been filling yourself with over the past seven days? And then ask yourself this, is what you feed yourself consistent with where you're trying to lead yourself? In other words, what you're putting into you, is it consistent with where you're trying to get to? The, the, the me that I want to be. The me that God is calling me to be. Is it consistent? Because we all have this idea of our future self that God is calling us to. Are you feeding yourself with things that are consistent with the direction that you're leading yourself? See, that's why I'm glad that you're here. So that we can be filled, so we can remain under the affliction that comes against us. So today we're going to fill ourselves on the word of God, which God says about his word that it will not return void, that it will accomplish everything that he desires it to accomplish. In other words, if the word can get in you, it will work on you. If, if, if we get the word in us that God promises that it will have an effect on us. And so we're going to feast on God's word. We're going to learn from God's word so we can be filled with the spirit of God. So we're going to be in the New Testament book of Philippians today and next week. We're only going to cover one verse today in the verse, uh, book of Philippians. Next week we'll cover a few more. Uh, the book of Philippians really isn't a book at all. It's more of a letter. 
It was a letter written by a guy named Paul to the church of Philippi. Um, Philippi was a city where Paul started a church around 49 AD. And because he started the church, he had responsibility for that church. And so Philippians is just a letter that he was writing to the church that he started. Now, Philippians was the first, or the church of Philippi, was the first church in Europe. We'll put it here. Um, Philippi is up here. It's in Greece, then Macedonia. Uh, you can see for reference way down here is Jerusalem. And so this was the first Christian church in Europe that Paul started. And so he wrote this letter to the people in the church at Philippi around 62 AD from Rome, where he was under house arrest. And it's interesting what he has to tell the people who are following Jesus. Let's look at what he has to say. Philippians 2, 12. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, because he started the church and he moved on, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. I want us to kind of explore what is, what is Paul telling us? What, what does it mean to, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Sounds a little dangerous. Let, let's unpack it. Work out your salvation. Let's first cover what it, what it doesn't mean. What Paul isn't saying is that we work for our salvation. That is not what Paul is saying. He is not saying that it's out of our own effort that we do something that qualifies us for salvation. Now listen, this, this is a key foundation of our faith. We do not earn salvation. It's nothing that we can do. It's nothing that we can give. Uh, it's not a question of whether my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. Salvation is nothing that we can qualify ourselves for. Look at Ephesians 2. It says, it's by grace that you've been saved. This is where salvation comes from. For by grace you have been saved. And how have we been saved? Through our faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Here it is. Not a result of works. In other words, what Paul is telling the church at Ephesus when he was writing a letter to them he was saying, look, your salvation has nothing to do with you. Salvation has nothing to do with your works. So you cannot boast in any of it. Salvation is purely through grace, through faith is, is, is what he is saying. So, so we know firmly that we do not work for our salvation. If you're caught on the hamster wheel of trying to earn God's approval, trying to earn salvation, trying to earn God's affection, trying to earn forgiveness. It's time to jump off that wheel. Scripture is clear. Salvation is a gift that God gives to his creation because he loves us. That's a John 3, 16. For God so what? So God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so scripture is clear. Salvation is a gift from God. God gave us his son who took our sins upon himself because sin is what separates us from God. He, he gave us his son. Jesus went to the cross taking our sins upon himself and in exchange for our sin, what does he give us? Look at the next verse. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin, the cross, right? Went to the cross, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here is what we know as the great exchange. Jesus takes my sin, and in replacement, he gives me his righteousness. It's not a fair deal, but that's what grace does. That's what love does. And so we are now declared righteous because Jesus gives us his very righteousness. So if we do not work for our salvation, if that's not what Paul is talking about, then what does he mean? Because whatever he means, he says that we must do it with fear and trembling. In other words, you better take this serious. What I'm about to tell you, Paul says, you better put some, there's some weight behind it. You better take it serious. If you're sleeping, it's time to wake up because you need to work something out with fear and with trembling. Let's kind of see what Paul is talking about. Let's figure this out. Understand that salvation occurs at the moment that you embrace Jesus as Savior. Our sins are forgiven. Uh, grace is given to us. But understand this, that salvation is a moment, but faith is a movement. Salvation happened for me when I was 14 years old. Came back from Moon Valley Community Church, knelt down inside of my bed, um, submitted my life to Jesus, asked for my sins to be forgiven. That was the moment, the summer of my 14th year of on, on earth, that was my moment of salvation. Salvation is a moment, but faith, since I was 14 years old, has been a movement. And this kind of gets to what Paul is talking about. My dear friends, continue to work out your salvation, the movement of salvation. Work it out. Continue to work it out in your life. In other words, entry is free. That's by grace. But once you're in, what Paul is telling us is you need to be prepared to go to work. What kind of work? Well, you need to go to work saying yes to the Spirit and saying no to the flesh. See, salvation, gift, grace, we don't earn it. But once we're saved, once we're in, what Paul is saying, look, you have to work this thing out. Because you are now followers of Jesus. Your life should not reflect the rest of culture. You have to work out your salvation. I told you before that there are three salvation experiences. We'll put it up on the screen here. The first salvation experience is what we say is I was saved. For me, 14 years old, follower of Christ, I was saved. Immediately at that moment of salvation, my sins were forgiven and I was declared righteous. Jesus takes my sin. He gives me his righteousness, not because of anything I've done. It's the great exchange. That's just who God is. He's gracious. He's loving. He declares me righteous. Now, the second salvation experience is where I'm at now, where many of you are at now. I am being saved. The Bible calls this sanctification. Sanctification, look at it this way. This is the movement that I am learning to become what I've already been declared to be. I've already been declared to be righteous. I've already been declared to be holy, and now I am learning to live out what I've already been declared to be. I am learning to be righteous. I am learning to live holy. This is the process that we're all in, and this is the movement. Salvation is a moment, 14. 
since I was 14 until 52, has been the movement of faith learning to be what I've already been declared to be. You understand? And then the third salvation experience is, I will one day be saved. So I was saved, I am being saved, and one day I will be saved, meaning glorification, meaning I will leave this body behind and I will embrace a new body. Sin will be no more. The ravages of sin will be no more. And we will live for eternity in a new glorified state. I was saved, I am being saved, I will be saved. And Paul is referencing this second salvation. I am in the process, the movement of faith, the movement of salvation. Paul says he's referencing this idea of transformation in us. And so what he is saying is, look, your lives should begin to resemble Jesus more and more. Work out your salvation. Work out the sanctification. Work out what you've already been declared to be. Our lives should look more and more like Jesus. We could say this, that if you had a moment, but there's no movement, at some point, Scripture would question your moment. Scripture would say, if you had a moment of salvation, but there's been no movement, nothing is taking place, you're not coming to resemble Jesus more and more, uh, you know, there's no love inside of you, nothing, there's no transformation inside of you, Scripture would say, we should probably go back and check that moment to see what really happened there. Because Scripture is clear. When we're filled with the Spirit that we receive upon salvation, that the Spirit begins to work something in us. The Spirit begins a transformation process in us. And so Paul is telling the church of Philippi, continue with movement. Continue to work out your salvation. Do not allow your lives to resemble that of culture. Work out your salvation in your speech. Work out your salvation. Begin to talk in a way that reflects what you've already been declared to be. He says, work out your salvation in how you respond to a crisis. Respond to a crisis in a way that reflects what you've already been declared to be. Work out your salvation in your generosity and how you spend your money. Work out your salvation in how you treat people. Work out your salvation in how you serve people. Work out your salvation. Learn to live in what you've already been declared to be. And this is the process we find ourselves in. So Paul says, look, hey, work it out. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some effort to position yourself to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Work out what the Spirit is doing. Now, if Paul left us here, he would have simply left us in the trappings of another religion. Religion, as Israel said a couple weeks ago, religion will always lean one of two ways. It will lean toward extreme grace. Extreme grace is, is when uh, beliefs are tweaked and bent and edited over a long period of time until uh, it lands on a religion that is most comfortable for its followers. In other words, we create a God in our own image that is always for us and gives us what we want and serves our kingdom goals and helps to elevate our lives. And we design this God that is really just a genie in the sky who is designed to serve us, give us more of what we want. But the other leaning of religion, if it's not towards extreme grace, it will lean towards extreme truth. 
extreme truth is a religion that says uh, a legalistic approach that says this is what Scripture says, now you better do it. This is what Scripture says, and so you better will yourself to rise to the challenge. Extreme truth is a religion that says, hey, this is about behavior modification. You best change your behavior. It's about trying harder, keep working, figure it out, act like a Christian, don't wear this, don't drink that, don't watch this movie, don't listen to that song, don't tattoo that part of your body, do all the right things and perform and make it happen and you gotta want it. And if you want it bad enough, you can rise to the level of what scripture says your life should be. Listen, listen, some of us grew up in that type of religion. And you hated it. And not only did you hate it, but you ran from it. Or, or, or you stayed close enough to Jesus so you were on the edges, so Jesus was close enough for, for his need and a, a help and a pinch. But there was nothing else taking place within you. And you, and, and you left that religion because your best was never good enough. And it left you feeling guilty. I think many of us, we can relate to this pattern where... We come into the Christian faith, and if you were in a legalistic uh, uh, branch of that, then you lived under a tremendous amount of guilt because of all the things that you were doing wrong, and you were told to measure up and work it out and make it happen, and you failed, and here's a long list of do's and don'ts, and you better rise to the occasion. And, and you felt such guilt, and so you convinced yourself, look at the next one, you convinced yourself, well, I'm going to try harder. Look, I, I, I want to be the person God wants me to be. And so because I'm guilty, I'm going to, within myself, I'm going to will myself to do better. And this time, how many times have we told us this? So we told ourselves this. This time, I mean it. I was fooling around last time, but this time, I mean it. I'm trying hard this time. I'm going to be so good. Mm, I will never do that again. I am trying hard and I mean it and, and I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. And you know what happens? It lasts for about a week and then suddenly you fall into frustration because you realize you can't measure up and you can't do it because you've been given this long list that you can never accomplish on your own because extreme truth says, here's what scripture says, will yourself to rise to the occasion. And so we get so frustrated, and what happens after that? We decide, well, I'm just going to quit. I'm not even going to worry about it anymore because I, there's nothing I can do about it. And so we become so frustrated, so we, 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 we jettison the faith, right? Figure, I'm, I'm not even going to do it anymore. And then over time, over time, you know what happens? We quit until the guilt piles up too much. And when the guilt piles up too much, you know what we tell ourselves? I'm going to try harder. This time, I mean it. Last time, I was just playing. But this time, I'm going to really give it my all. And, and many of us, right, we're familiar with this cycle. And this type of religion, it's exhausting. That's why if Paul would have simply left us with this idea of work out your salvation. It puts all the pressure on me. I got to try harder. I got to rise to the occasion. I got to will myself to do it. And, and it's all about me and what, what I can accomplish. But thank God Paul did not leave us 
here. When Paul said, work out your salvation, this just wasn't a a cheerleading episode. He wasn't simply telling the people at Philippi, "You, you can do it. Just try harder and get serious, and you got to want it. And if you want it bad enough, you will make yourself, you will will yourself to be righteous. And you can work out that salvation. Here's the long list. You can do it. Remember back in the 90s, uh, they had those power teams, and uh, they would have an announcer that would just try to hype the crowd up. And they were like, come on, John's going to lift a bus but John can't do it without you. And he'd get everyone screaming. He's like, come on, John, you got to want it. And the crowd screaming. That's not what Paul was doing. Paul wasn't saying, you got to lift a bus. And if you want it bad enough, you can make it. He doesn't leave us in this idea of working it out on our own. Look, 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 look what he says. There's a key piece of missing information. Well, that next verse, please. Paul says this, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And here it is, for it is God who works in you. Catch that little phrase. For it is God who works in you. I want you to see what's happening. I'm not working in myself. It's not my authority. It's not my power that's working in me. It's not my resolve. It's not my will that's working in me. There's someone far greater than I that is working in me. The power to transform me on the inside is not my own power. Look at this. That's why we have to work out what he's working in. Work out what he's working in. In. I should get rid of that <laughs> right there. I hate typos. Work out what he's working in is what scripture is telling us here. It, in other words, it's not a long list of do's and don'ts where I wake up every morning wondering if I'm going to have the strength to do it all. If I'm going to have the ability to, to keep the, the long list of rules and, and regulations. See, I'm responsible, you're responsible for what God is working in you today. And what God is working in you may not be what God is working in me. And so I'm not going to take what God is doing in you and suddenly try to put that on me. Because then I'm caught back in that cycle. I'm feeling guilty and I'm going to try harder and I'm frustrated and I'm going to quit because I'm trying to work something out that God is not yet working in. There may be a time in the future, I'm sure there will be, that God will work that in me. But at this moment, what I'm responsible for is what God is working in me today, at this moment, September 6, 2020. And so let me give you this promise. The Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, is money-back guarantee working something in you at this moment. The Holy Spirit is working something in you at this moment. Now, you may not be listening, or you may have stopped listening, or you may not like what he's saying, but I promise you this, that God is working something in you. He is up to something. And so I want us to just take a moment, and I want us to ask the Holy Spirit, 
what is he doing? What is he doing in you? Now, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal what he's working, and then I want us to practice listening. Philippians 2.13, for it is God working, there it is again, he's working in you. And what is he working? Giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. This isn't my own ability. It's not my own power. God is working something in, and what God is working in is what I'm required to work out. See, do you know what he's working in you? I know what he's working in me. Started about five weeks ago. Something came to my attention. I thought on it for a good day, too. Prayed about it. Meditated on it. And then it just became obvious. This particular area in my life, God is trying to mature me in. He's working it in me. You want to know what it is? I bet you do, but I'm not going to tell you. But I know what God is working in me. And so I wake up in the morning. I was like, all right, God, this, this thing that you're working in me, man, give me the power. Give me the ability. Give me the desire to walk this thing out. Why? So that I can be pleasing to you. So that I can become the person that you're calling me to be. Now, listen, some of you, you already know what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because when I started to talk on this part of the subject, this subject, it hit you. And you know. And so now the question becomes, will you be a willing participant to work out what he is working in? Look at Philippians 1.6. I'm certain that God who began the good work where? In you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Work out what he's working in. Work out what he's working in. This is good news. God doesn't give up. You may have been ignoring him. You may have been putting him off. But the good news is the Holy Spirit comes around like the local city bus. There's always an opportunity to get on the bus. And so the Holy Spirit's coming around again, giving opportunity to work out what he is working in. So I just want to take a moment. We're not done yet. Don't turn it off. I want to take a moment and I want to pray and I want you to listen. I don't care if you're at home on the couch. I encourage you to, to just, you know, take a moment, pray, and then listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. So Holy Spirit, we're inviting you to come and speak to each person, whether live or whether online, asking that you would come and you would show us exactly what it is that you are working in us. And just listen. You're not going to be overwhelmed with a list of 30 things. That's not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to give you something concrete. I know he is right now. I know he is. And if you're honest, he's probably been working that in you for quite some time. Amen. So now we have an opportunity to decide, will we work out what the Holy Spirit is working in? What did he tell you? What, 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 what does that look like? 
What are you going to work out that he's working in? Now understand, as soon as you try to work out what he's working in, you need to expect pushback. There will always be uh, a, a, a pushback. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has become. This is that idea that we touched on, that when we come to Christ, we are declared righteous. We are new beings. The problem is, is that while I have a regenerated spirit, I have a degenerated soul. And so my mind, my will, and my emotions are a work in progress. That is the I am being saved portion of all of this. That means that there are habit, habits and patterns of living and patterns of thinking uh, that over time are being saved. That's great news for us. But this is why there's pushback. Because your spirit is going to try to work out and your flesh is going to say, I don't want to do that. I'd rather remain where we are. And so what does this look like? Let's give some, let's give some um, concrete examples. Maybe someone at work offended you. And your flesh says to retaliate and to get even. But the spirit in you, God is working in you, and he's telling you to forgive. And so now your responsibility is to work out your salvation by choosing to forgive and walking that out, putting your spirit above your flesh. Because that's what God's working in you at this moment. Maybe there's a relationship issue. Uh, maybe there's conflict in your marriage. And God is working in you to take the first step of reconciliation. And so now you have the choice as to whether or not you will work out what God has been working in. Now, I, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, well, well I don't feel it. Man, if, if, I've only, if I only did the things that I felt, <laughs> I'd be in a world of trouble. I understand you don't feel it, right? I know you're thinking, well, if I don't feel it, I'm being inauthentic. No, you're being mature. Look, uh, um, allowing your spirit to influence your flesh, in other words, acting on your spirit, even though your emotions may not feel it, is not being inauthentic. It's being mature. It's showing growth. It means that I am going to put my spirit above my flesh, even when I don't feel like it. Because that's the struggle. Now, ask yourself again, what has God been working in you? It takes the pressure off of me. I don't wake up every morning with a long list of things that, I, that, that I'm going to focus on and just feel miserable at the end of, end of the day. I want to focus on what the Holy Spirit is working in me today. And once, once the Holy Spirit is finished with that, Right? And I've been saved in that area. Holy Spirit's going to move on to something else. And I'm going to be faced with the challenge again. Will I work out what he has been working in? So what, what, what does this look like? Work out what he's working in. How does God work in? We'll wrap this up. We already talked about it. How does God work in? He works in through his spirit. Psalm 143.10. Teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me. May your gracious spirit teach me. May your gracious spirit enlighten me. Work in me. Teach me what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so if God works in us through his spirit, then how do we work that out? 
Here's the next one. We need to follow quickly. How does God work in us through his spirit? How do I work it out? I follow quickly. Listen, listen. Whatever the Holy Spirit spoke to you today, act on it immediately. Because the longer we wait, the greater the opportunity for us to talk ourselves into it and justify ourselves. Justify it to ourselves. So, so respond quickly. Be quick to submit. Whatever that looks like in your life now, be quick to submit to the authority of God. He speaks through his spirit. And so I will follow quickly. How else does God work in? God works in through spiritual disciplines, through prayer and worship and study and meditation. This is how we are filled. This is how we work to position ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us so we can stand under the affliction, so we can stand under the pressure, so we're not going through life deflated and flat. And so for that to happen, prayer, worship, study, meditation is a key part of being filled, is a key part of the way that God works in us. And so if God works in us through spiritual disciplines, how do we work that out? We must do it consistently. Now look, start with something that works for you, right? Do it consistently. Don't take my spiritual disciplines or my spiritual calendar and say, well, I'm going to do what the pastor does. I mean, I get paid for this, don't forget. But you need to start something that is authentic to you, that you can do, and that is realistic. And so what does that look like? What is it going to mean for you to begin to do it consistently? Here, here's just some thoughts. Start with one memory verse. Whatever it is that God is working in you, find a verse that speaks to that and memorize it. I mean, that's not going to take you much time. Find one verse that goes along with what God is doing in you and memorize it and then begin to meditate on it. Meditate just means to think on it. Pray over it, ruminate on it, allow it to sink into you and see what God begins to do. Maybe you need to get the YouVersion app and listen to some of the Bible on your way into work. You can listen to a chapter in about eight minutes. It's at least a start, right? Don't start in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. You'll fall asleep and get in an accident. Start with the Gospel of John in the New Testament. Start with one of the epistles in the New Testament. It will speak to you. Hey, begin to talk to God in prayer. Whatever it is, because we will do them consistently, we have to find something that we can actually work out and that works for us and that we can do it consistently. Listen, just start something and then let it grow upon itself. I promise you, you memorize one scripture verse, and you begin to meditate on it, and you begin to, to, to apply it to your life, it will be a very short period of time before you have another verse memorized. Because you're going to say, this works. Like, it's reconditioning my mind. It's changing the way that I think. Start with something that will work. How does God work in us? God works in us through community. Listen, some of your most formative seasons of life, um, some of the greatest seasons of spiritual growth, will come across a table instead of across a pulpit. 
meaning that your, your greatest seasons of spiritual life are not going to happen by listening to a sermon. It's going to happen by being in community and doing life and, and, and living the Christian life together with other people. I'm telling you from personal experience. I'm telling you from what Scripture says. There is a power that occurs in community when we share our faith together. And so what does that look like for you? Look, at if God works in community, then how do I work that out? I work that out by staying connected. We have to stay connected to people who are feeding us, and we are in turn feeding them. Are, are, are you doing it? It's crucial that we surround ourselves with people who are good for us because God works in community. So the way that we work that out is we stay in community. You have seven groups right now online. You got the FPU group that is starting in September, Daniel's group that is starting in September. You need to find a group. You need to begin to sow into other people. You need to allow other people to sow into you. And some of you, you heard me say it time and time and time again, and you continue to push against it. But I'm telling you, if you would, if you would lead yourself into community, you would see what it can do for you. All right, look, here's your options. A crushed life or a filled life. This happens because we neglect Small investments over large blocks of time. We talked about it last week. This happens because we invest small investments over large blocks of time consistently. God works in and we work it out. Pray with me. Lord, today uh, I know that you revealed some things to some people and I would ask that you would continue to work in us and then give us the power and the presence to work out what you are working in. So whatever that was, whatever it is that you revealed to us let, us, uh, let us do what is needed. For some, it may mean accountability. It may mean confession. It may mean repentance. It may mean counseling. I, I don't know what it will look like, but let us be quick, quick to say yes, and let us be quick to start the process of working out what you are working in us. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to us on this topic over the next several days, over the next several weeks, next several months. And, and, and when we are saved in this particular area, when we learn to live in the way that we've already been declared, then move on to the next area. Work in us. And we will work out what you are working in through the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey. Happy Labor Day to everyone. Next week, we'll be in Philippians again. Uh, it's going to be a, a good topic, working out through the waiting. I hope you will join us then. God bless you. Woo! Cue the outro music. Let's do it. <laughs>